Moms and dads, uh, this is a fifth Sunday, so we're not having uh, kids' praise today. And so they say to be able to keep the, the, the focus of children, you need to have something shiny. Right? You need to have something shiny, something sparkly that they'll be able to pay attention to. And as Sean mentioned, um, I just happen to have something right here. Um, now, there is no truth to the rumor we were going to serve communion in this, even though it was talked about. Uh, we did consider it, and so that's why a lot of you have been setting up front. You wanted to be first, I understand. Wanted to be first. Uh, <laughs> what a trophy, though. Isn't this kind of wild? Man, uh, to, uh, to get this. I love how it says here that this is the championship trophy for the church lower division. <laughs> we were actually the best of the worst, okay? That's <laughs> just full disclosure, all right? There, there, there is a championship trophy for the upper division. We did not play in that. We weren't a part of that. But Stephen, if we'd played, we would have won. That's right. That, <laughs> that, is, uh, that is right. All right, yeah, I'm just going to set this here. You can focus the kids on it. There we go. We'll put that um, there. We want to be able to um, drape, the, um, drape the jersey out here too. So um, I know we do have some of our softball players here, and uh, they wore their jersey. And some of you might have looked around. It was like, well, it is trunk or treat day, right? Uh, and so maybe they, they just came ready for that. Uh, we want you to know we are having trunk or treat tonight, rain or shine. We've got some uh, contingency plans that are in the works no matter what. And so if you want to wear your softball uniform tonight, that will be great. We're going to have a great time starting at 4 o'clock. So make sure you make plans for that. There's going to be inflatables, going to be some hot dogs uh, to enjoy. So make sure that uh, you're here around 4. We'll go from about 4 to, to 6 o'clock. The uh, truck or treat portion itself will begin around 5. So the inflatables and the hot dogs and all that will be starting at, um, at 4. But the word did get out that it was truck or treat. So we even have those online who are participating. Uh, and so we're glad about that. And so we, it is, it is always good when we can have uh, you know our church family get in on on the fun. We appreciate Mr. Ernie, all of those who are watching, no matter what you're wearing today. We are glad that you are here, and and, and you're a part. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we've been asking the married folks in the room to write themselves little reminders. Reminders of ingredients that sometimes go missing in our relationships. And you see it in so many, so many different relationships over time. There's just something that's off. There's, there's something that's just not right. And it's hard for couples to really put their finger on it. And it's very difficult oftentimes to articulate exactly what it is that's going on. They just know that something is, is missing. And so over the last few weeks, I've compared this to members of my family attempting to make my grandmother's famous chocolate pound cake. And I've told you how that others have tried. My mom tried, my aunt tried, my cousin tried, and yes, even Miss Tanya tried to, to, to make Granny's you know, chocolate cake. But even though they used their recipe, and even though they called it Granny's chocolate pound cake, it really wasn't Granny's chocolate pound cake. I mean, each made good cakes, especially Miss Tanya. Man, that was some good chocolate cake. I just want you to know. I mean, that, that was some really, really good, I mean, delicious, fantastic cake. It really was. Because you follow the recipe. 
but there were these little add-ons of little loves that were just unique to my grandmother. And she would add a little of this, and she would add a little of that, and she'd throw it all in the mix, and these, there were these unwritten little loves that just seemed to make all the difference. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm talking a little bit about your marriage. I mean, you call it a marriage. You call it a marriage. And you followed the recipe that was handed down to you from your family members. And your marriage is pretty good. I mean, it is. It's good. It's not all bad, but there's just something, there's just something that seems to be missing. And so we've been writing down these little loves, these, these little love reminders, reminders of ingredients that there's just something sometimes missing from our relationships. And the first little love we said that could be missing was spiritual awareness. Couples are living without the spiritual awareness that God is the author of their love story. The fact that God created man and that God created woman for each other, to complement one another, to, to help one another, to make something that was not good, good. And, and so with that, with the union of a man and a woman, that was God's good plan. But for so many marriages today, that spiritual awareness is just missing. And so we said, well, let's make us a reminder. And let's say, dear married me, don't forget to be spiritually aware. Don't forget that your marriage was God's idea and that you need to recognize him as the creator and as the sustainer and as the fulfiller of your relationship. And then last week we discussed how a lot of marriages are, are just missing exclusiveness. Where you approach marriage with this one and only mentality. Where you look at your husband, you look at your wife and you say, you know what, you are the only one for me. So we wrote ourselves another reminder. Dear married me, marriage was never intended to be perfect, but marriage was intended to be exclusive. So don't compare your marriage to another's. Don't compare your spouse to someone else. Rediscover the value of your relationship and recommit to your soulmate. Exclusiveness. Maybe it's missing from your relationship. Today we're going to look and find another reminder in Genesis chapter chapter 2. That's still where we're going to be camping out. So if you want to open up your Bible, take out your phone, get out your Bible app, whatever it is that you use to, to be able to go back to the original story there. And next week, while you're turning there, I want you to know that we're going to focus on all the, the single ladies, all the single gentlemen who are part of our church family and who watch us online. You guys have been hanging with me. You haven't ghosted me. That's what I ask. I said, please don't check out while we're talking to, to all the married people who are in the room. And I appreciate the way that you've all approached this particular study. And now you've come at it with an open heart. You've come at it with an open mind. And though you're not married, you have been in prayer for those who are married. For those married couples who are sitting around you, who are in the midst of a lot of the different struggles and difficulties and successes that we have been talking about together. And you have not complained that we are intentionally spending time focusing on spiritually strengthening the marriages here at EB. I appreciate that. You've made yourself reminders and you've tucked them away so that you might be able to look at some, some ingredients that others might be missing in their relationships. But you say, you know what? If the season in my life changes, if there's a future season where then I am a part of a marriage, then I have these reminders to look back to to say, this is what I want to have part of that relationship. Over the last couple of weeks, you've become more spiritually aware of the exclusive relationship that God desires for you. 
You, you become aware. There's this spiritual awareness that you've developed, not just for, for, for another man, not just for another woman, but you've had a spiritual awareness in the relationship that you have with God because you're part of the bride of Christ. Even though you might look at yourself and say, I'm single. If you're a Christian, you're not single. You're married to God. You've got the best relationship. And you've become more aware of that over these last few weeks. Nearly 50% of U.S. adults are single. Nearly 50% of U.S. adults are single. And there are actually fewer married men and women in our society today than at any point over the last 70 years. So the single men and women who are part of our church family are actually more the rule than the exception within our society. And so we're going to f- focus exclusively on you guys next week. Dear Married Me is going to become Dear Single Me. So I want you to invite your single friends. I want you to invite your family to come and I want you to invite them to come and join us and to, and to be a part as we share together. Now, speaking about the last 70 years, by the way, um, I need all the single and married people uh, in the room alike to, to listen up. We, we have a couple who's a part of our church family who this year has celebrated their platinum jubilee. Platinum jubilee. Here at East Brainerd, we have a couple who's been married for 70 years, folks. 70 years. And today, we want to say hello. They're watching us online. Mr. Wilbur, Ms. Murtis Johnson. We want everybody to say happy 70 years on the count of three to this great couple. All ready? You ready? Happy 70 on one, two, three. Happy 70. You're an awesome man. That is great. Man, 70 years together. 70 years. So I, I pulled up what life was like when Mr. Mr. Wilbur and Miss Murtis, when they got hitched, all right? That was back in 1952. In 1952, gas was 20 cents. Yes, sir. 20 cents. A dozen eggs were 16 cents. You could go to the movies for 53 cents. And guess what? You could buy a house for $9,000. $9,000. The only problem was the average income was only 3000 okay? So you were going to still have to save up for it. Some of you were like, man, I could go out and buy a few today. No, you'd have to, you'd have to save up. Here's some 50 slang that were going on when the Johnsons were courting. They knew some ankle biters. Ankle biters are kids. <laughs> that, was the, uh, that was the slang for kids. Love it. An ankle biter. And, and here's the good news. They never looked at one another and said, get bent. Never looked at each other and said that. Because if they had, it meant they wanted the other to go away. Never did. Stayed together now for 70 years. Now, we still say unreal often, right? We say something's unreal, and that would mean exceptional. But we don't usually use the term go ape anymore. Go ape when you want to get excited. Go ape when something really, really is something special. In the movie theaters, the greatest show on earth was on, singing in the rain and the bad and the beautiful. So you could spend your 53 cents and go and enjoy that. If you were going on the road, you wanted to listen to some tunes, you did not have your iPad, you did not have Sirius XM satellite radio, you might not even have had a radio to be able to enjoy, but if you did, you could listen to Blue Tango by Leroy Anderson, Wheel of Fortune by K-Star, Cry, Johnny Ray and the Four Lads, or You Belong to Me by Joe Stafford. That's the one that they would sing together. 
It was in 1952 that Mr. Potato Head was first invented. It was in 1952 that Queen Elizabeth II became the Queen of England. Yeah. All of these things are starting to come together, right? Love the styles, though, for the ladies. For the women, there were girdles, petticoats, bouffants, pixie cuts, beehives, short bangs, and form-fitting sheath dresses. Mmm. For men, wingtip shoes, fedora hats, cardigan sweaters, and here we go, ladies, control yourself, leather motorcycle jackets. Yes. Now, I don't have a picture of Mr. Wilbur in a leather motorcycle jacket. I don't know, I don't know if he ever had one or not. But let me tell you, these two tied the knot 70 years ago, and they have been a great example of a godly marriage and relationship. And I'm just thankful to have had them in my life over the last 17 years and grateful for their uh, presence here, part of our church family. And again, Mr. Wilbur and Ms. Murtis, we love you guys. We hope that you are, are feeling well today. Hope you have a great weekend. And again, happy 70 years Platinum Jubilee. And we love you. Thanks so much. Man, that is fantastic. Man, that's great. Thank you guys for celebrating and for um, doing that with me. I wanted to be able to um, share that since we've been announcing different, different things about uh, marriage over the last few weeks. So let's get into Genesis together, all right? Let's get into Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, for this reason, this is just after that you have the man quoting poetry or he is speaking poetry, saying that you are now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. That man will, will cleave, be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The word one here it would have had a lot of significance for those original Hebrew listeners. Because three times a day, the Hebrews would pray, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here's what I want you to catch. The same word that was used to describe God is the same word that is used to describe the union that is between a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman. When they come together in marriage, it's the same word, one. The two are separate, but there is so much about them that is together that you can't tell where one stops and where the other starts. It's an ingredient that we're just going to call oneness. It's where something that is brought together by God, something that, that comes together. There is a spiritual component to it where there is an intimacy that's found that the world just is not able to give. Even though the world offers all kinds of cheap substitutes, but there is this intimacy, there is this spiritual oneness that God offers that's much deeper. And if you look in verse 24, you see a little bit about how it takes place and how it's achieved. First thing it says is that there's a man and he was going to leave father and mother. Now, one of the reasons a lot of marriages do not have the oneness that we're talking about today is perhaps because the husband or maybe even the wife, they just don't leave. They don't leave. They don't leave the home that they grew up in. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that we have so many who are moving back home these days, all right? If you've had to move back home, all of a sudden you're kind of sinking a little further down, you know, in the pew. You're like, oh man, I never left. Or I left and I came back. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Waffle House home. That's the smothered and covered home. Maybe you grew up in a smothered and covered home. This is where mom and dad just loved you, and they told you that you were the best. They told you that you could do no wrong. 
They told you that, that there was no one else in the world that was better than you, that could do the things that you could do. And they were all overly protective. I mean, they wrapped you in bubble wrap when you went outside, and, and, and you were just always under their watchful eye, right? I mean, Live 360, guys, let's be honest. How many at Live 360? We got some Live 360 folks here, right? Some of you were Live 360 before you even knew what Live 360 was. My mother tells the story how that she finally was allowed to go on the pep bus to a ball game. And she was riding on the pep bus and having a great time with her friends when all of a sudden someone yells and says, Oh, Connie, look who's riding behind us. And she went and looked out the back of the bus and there was her dad. With his fedora, wingtip shoes, no motorcycle jacket, I can promise you that. The smothered and covered home. See, you get married, and then there's this kind of competition that goes on. There's a competition that comes on because the parents, they don't have that intimacy with one another, and so they try to fulfill it with their children. And they begin to try to pull their children away from their spouse, wanting their kids to choose between them and their spouse. And mom and dad, look, if this is you, you lose every time. You lose every time. Because even if you win, you lose. Because you're robbing your children of the oneness that God wants them to have with their spouse. And in time, they grow bitter. And they'll resent you for the fact that you kept them from being able to enjoy the relationship that God truly intended. Maybe there's another home. Maybe there's another home that you can relate to more. It's the damaged and drained home. These are the people who, when they leave the home, they, they physically leave. That's not really a problem. In fact, they're more than happy to get out of the house. The problem is that when they leave, they leave the house in pieces. And they leave pieces of themselves behind. And they can't offer the pieces, those pieces of themselves to their spouse because well, they're still back there in that old house. It's anger, it's resentment, it's bitterness because of all the things that took place in that home. And... And because of this, because of the things that were said, and because of the things that were done, blessings that were never given, because of that, the person who leaves always leaves a little bit of them there. And there can't be there that oneness because they've never left. They've never truly been able to leave because of all the damage that has been done. And they haven't allowed God to heal them yet. Or maybe they're just so drained. Maybe they're just so drained emotionally and, 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 or intimately and they can't connect with another person. So they've gotten married, but they don't really give themselves to that person wholeheartedly. They just give pieces because that's what they've learned to do growing up. I mean, look, if I give my heart to someone, if I give my heart to someone, I, I mean, if I make myself vulnerable to someone and if I give them all that I am, well, there's a pretty good chance that I might end up being, being hurt, that that heart might end up being shattered. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get married. I, 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 I'm not going to, to go through that turmoil. Or if I do get married, I'm going to hold some pieces back because of the home that I was in or maybe that first relationship, that first marriage that I was a part of. But friends, you will never have the oneness that God desires in marriage unless you leave. Unless you leave. A man will leave his father and mother. I read about an example of this in a Nigerian tribe in Africa. For where when it's time for the wedding ceremony, they put the groom in a hut, all right? That they put the groom in, the, in a hut, and he has to leave the hut to go and get his bride. 
And so once he's in the hut, the elders there uh, of the tribe will call out to the groom and tell him that it's time to leave. They'll tell him that it's time to come to get his bride. The only problem is there is a person who is standing in the doorway whose job it is to keep the groom from being able to leave. And so physically, the person in the doorway would do anything necessary to keep the, the, the groom from getting to his bride. And so first, he has to actually go past this individual to get through the doorway. And now the person that's there in the doorway is mama. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's mom. Mom stands in the doorway and says, uh-uh, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay right here. Now, I love that picture. And I would go to a wedding like that. I mean, if you do this at your wedding, I will be there. I mean, I, I will be there, and I think we should bring this into our culture and into our society. Because weddings, let's just be honest, they're boring. We all have seen them before. We kind of know what's going on. Amy Marcus, I'm sorry, I know. Wedding planner extraordinaire over here. And she's like, I do all these things to make weddings exciting. You ain't done this yet. Uh-uh. But I think we should. I think we should bring it in. Bring it in. Have mama standing there in the door and, and see that little throwdown go on between mom and between, and between son. But guys, really, this is an image of what that word leave means. It's a strong word. It's a strong word. It's saying, look, I'm choosing this relationship right here. And I'm choosing this relationship here over all other relationships. No matter how long I've had this relationship with my family, with my parents, and you know, when a, when a husband and wife, when this man and woman, when they come into this marriage, they have all been a part of a family that they have been a part of for longer than they have been together as a couple, right? I mean, that makes sense. They, they've been dating, you know, maybe for a few years, and now they're going to get married. But they've all had a home that they've grown up in that they've been a part of for, for a long time. And so there's some strong feelings that's there. You know, it, it's why that Johnny Robertson looked at Miss Janice one day and said, I think I love my parents more than I love you. Now, he, he, in his mind, he thought, he thought, man, this makes sense because I've known them for a long time, right? Known them for a long time. We're just getting together. We're just getting things started. Miss Janice did not see the humor in that or the, um, or the logic that was going on. And he's been having to pay for that all of these years. But he left father and mother. And he made a relationship with Miss Janice that, again, has been an example has been an example to so many through the years, not only to their own children, but also to, to others who they, have, who they have brought in, who they have allowed to be close to their family, who they've allowed to be able to watch them and the relationship that they have. Leaving is a strong word. I'm choosing you over any other relationship. And then we read that the two are united. The King James word uses the word cleave. And the Hebrew word here is a word that means two things that are so cemented together that you cannot separate them without both of them being damaged in the process. That's the idea that's put here. And you see it used other places in Scripture. In Job, it's used to describe skin and bones. In Ezekiel, it's used to describe the scales on a fish. Second Kings describes the leprosy that clings all over the body. There is this connection that takes place. And it's the picture of unity that God desires for husband and wife to be able to enjoy. Where you leave your father and mother and you go and you're united, you cleave, you're cemented there to your wife. Well, look at verse 25. Look at verse 25. Let me, let me show you one more thing that, that, is, that is important. It says, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And that's another missing ingredient, nudity. 
No, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. No, uh, but there's a reason that it's there in the Bible, right? There's a reason why God puts it here. And it's because it's describing the vulnerability. There is this atmosphere of openness and acceptance where clothes were not necessary because the man and the woman in the garden, well, there was no reason why they should have clothes. There was no reason why they should clothe themselves except if they were concerned about what the other person thought. And so I'll put it this way. It's a little more appropriate. Complete transparency. Complete transparency is what we'll call this. No barriers. No walls. No pretending. This is where you have an environment, an atmosphere with your husband or your wife that says, I love you. I love you just the way that you are. But here's what happens in a lot of marriages. A husband and wife, before they're married, they, they look at each other and they're, they're just overblinding. They're just overblinded with, with acceptance of each other, right? They see each other and they've fallen in love. And that's what they'll say. We've just fallen in love. We just love each other. We've just fallen in a big pile of love. And I can't get over you and you can't get over me. But then, and I hope it doesn't happen, but in some situations you have individuals who are married and, and those feelings begin to fade. And over time, he looks at her and says, you know what, I thought you were great. But the more time that I've spent with you, and the more, the more of you I've seen, it turns out there are some things that we need to address here. There are some things that I think need to change. And she looks at him and says, well, that's funny because I've been thinking the same thing, Sparky. There are some things about you that need to change. And I'm glad you brought this up. And then what happens? Well, suddenly everybody starts covering up very quickly, right? And you see some ingredients that began to get added into the marriage. Someone puts in a spoonful of sarcasm or a cup of criticism. And then there's some silent treatment and some ridicule. There's shame and there's guilt. And it all becomes a part of the marriage. And a husband and wife, they're now here in the presence of each other, but they're constantly covering themselves because they can't, well, they just can't feel the criticism. They, 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 they can't take the pain, they, they can't take the, the constant just over and over again of, of someone pointing out faults and flaws. It just begins to mount and it mounts. And, and it robs us of a marriage that God wanted us to have. And, and so God describes here this atmosphere, this environment where there is complete acceptance of one another and oneness, where the husband and wife share this complete transparency. Where, yeah, we can talk about anything and we can do anything together and, and we can have this relationship where we don't know where one starts and where the other begins and, and, and it's all here together and we hold nothing back. There are no secrets. There are no barriers. There are no walls. And so let's make ourselves a reminder. Let's make ourselves a reminder. Go ahead and pull that out on your phone again or write it down somewhere there in your Bible. Put it on, put it on your... Um, Put it on your bulletin if you want to. Dear married me, put something that says this. Remember to pursue complete intimacy and openness with your spouse. Remember to pursue complete intimacy and openness with your spouse. And, and don't allow others, whether they be family, whether they be friends, to come between your relationship. Dear married me, tear down every wall, tear down every barrier, Dear married me, strip away the pretending. Strip away the pretense. 
We're all going to get, a lot of people are going to get dressed up tonight, and, and it's always fun whenever Halloween rolls around, and we have our trunk or treats, and there are all these, these costumes that people dress up in, all these masks that people wear. And yet what we don't like to admit is that even in this room right now, even for people who are watching online, people who are listening to us this week, you don't have on a Halloween costume, but you're wearing a mask. You're wearing a mask in the relationship that you have with your spouse. Strip it away. Strip away the pretense, the pretending. Dear married me, be one. Be one. Be one with my spouse. In Genesis 2, the story ends. The love story comes to a conclusion at the end of chapter 2, and then you flip the page and you get to chapter 3, and we don't know how much time passes. We don't know how much time passes, 100 years, I don't know. But in Genesis 3, sin enters into the world for the first time. And the man and the woman, they decide they're, going, they're not going to do things God's way. They're going to do things their way. And so they, they sin. And the sin begins to do what sin always does. It destroys and it, it tears down. And they begin to immediately blame one another. Guys, even in that first marriage, there were problems, okay? So as we've been going through this and talking about these different ingredients, if you've looked at your relationship and you're like, wow, I, I think I'm missing this and I think we're missing that and I think... Hey, look, even the first relationship there that we read about had its problems, okay? So none of this has been intended to beat you up. It's been intended to hopefully lift you up, to, to, to show you an ideal, to show you something that we are, we are striving and, and longing for. And the very next verse there in chapter 3, after we read about them sinning, the first thing they do is start to cover up that transparency leaves. They start to feel things like shame and guilt for the very first time. And their marriage is attacked by Satan. Hey guys, we need to understand Satan has always wanted to destroy relationships. And Satan would love to destroy your marriage. And some of the singles that I'll be talking to next week, some of the singles that I'll be talking to next week, they understand this all too well. They understand how that Satan loves to destroy marriages. That relationship between husband and wife. The relationship even between parents and children, between lifelong friends, between humanity and God. But here's what happens. See, here's what happens. You keep reading in humanity's story, and yes, you keep reading throughout Scripture, and you read about broken and splintered and incomplete relationships, but you keep reading. You don't stop, and you get over to Romans. And in Romans, you read how that sin entered the world through one man, but it is through the one man, Jesus Christ, that grace and forgiveness and reconciliation comes in Romans chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness. Christ's one act of righteousness brings a, a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Guys, because of Jesus, your marriage doesn't have to be incomplete. Your marriage doesn't have to be incomplete. There can be restoration. There can be healing. And look, I understand. I know that for many of you, the only recipe that was handed down to you, the only thing that you received from your mom or for your dad was this one way, and this was how you were to make it, and this is how you were to cook it. And the ingredients, the only thing that you've been given, you've been using those ingredients, and you've been going through your relationship and your marriage just like you saw your mom and dad go through what they did. And I know, I know of wives who say, look, I know this much, but I do not want to be the type of wife that my mom was. And I've heard husbands who say, look, I know this much. I'm not going to be the kind of husband that I saw my dad being. I know that. 
But the problem is they're cooking out of the same cookbook. The problem is the recipe they're following is the recipe that their mom gave them. It's the recipe that their dad gave them. And it's all they know. And so they get into this relationship. They get into this marriage. And a few years into it, they realize they've got pretty much the same thing. It's the same house that they were growing up in. And that's why what we've done through this series, we've gone back and we've kind of gone back to God's word. We've gone back to the beginning and we've said, God, we just want you to remind us. Just remind us of what is oftentimes missing because we want your ingredients and we want to use the little loves that you go and place in a relationship. We want to do things your way. And that's been our prayer throughout this series. Because friends, Satan would love for you to settle for something that this world calls marriage. Satan would love for you to settle for just something our society says. Well, yeah, that's marriage. That's what it is. But it's not really marriage as God intended. It's not one man. It's not one woman. It's not one lifetime. Friends, don't settle. Don't settle. You know, I might not be able to go back and enjoy a piece of Granny's chocolate pound cake the way it was meant to be. Now, have I told you, though, that my wife made a great cake? Man, she did, she did awesome. She did a really good job. I can't go back and have, have that cake the way it was intended to be. But you know what I can do within my relationship with my wife? I can add a little spiritual awareness. I can add exclusivity. I can make sure that there's oneness. I can make sure there's transparency. And I can work on experiencing marriage as God intended. And here's the thing, you can too. You can too. No, no matter where things are right now, there is a spiritual awareness. There, there is this oneness, this transparency. There's this exclusiveness that you can look at and begin to add that into your marriage. And you can say, God, I'm just going to lay it down for you and I'm just going to put it here. I'm just going to put it here, and, and I'm just going to allow you to be the one that makes this work. Not me. Not me. And understand, if I could say this as, as we're closing this out, guys, for marriages to work, it takes two, okay? It, it can't just be one of you who listens to this, and it's like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to put in our marriage. Okay, this, this is what we're going to have. It has to be both of you who are saying, you know what? We're going to go all in. We're pushing it all in. We're, we're, we're pushing it all in in this relationship. And, and, and I'm going to focus on that spiritual awareness. And I'm going to focus on the oneness. And I'm going to focus on the transparency. And I'm going to make sure that we're exclusive. It can't just be one individual within the relationship. It doesn't work. But here's what I'm asking both of you. Both of you who are in the relationship right now. Why are you settling for anything less? than what God desires for your relationship. Maybe you need one final reminder. Dear married me, don't settle. Don't settle. You fight for that relationship. You fight for what God has brought together. We join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for, again, the relationships, those that are brand new, and Father, for those that have gone 70 and 70 plus years. And I'm grateful for all who have been examples to others who are around them, for the, for the moms and dads, for those grandmas and grandpas who, who fought, who, who dealt with some very difficult ex experiences, but Father, did, 
did all that they could trying to, trying to honor you in their relationship. But Father, we try to be honest today and recognize that there are a lot of homes that we have grown up in that they did not have that, that God-honoring marriage. It, it was not a home that was focused on you the way that it should be. It was not a home that recognized spiritually how that you were the designer. It was not a home that had oneness. It was not a home of transparency. And Father, it was not a home that showed exclusivity. And so we've, a lot of us, we've just gotten these different recipes of, of here's what marriage is supposed to look like. And, and, and we've Googled and we've talked to friends and, and we've looked around. And Father, we've done the best we could. And, and for many of us, what we have isn't bad. I mean, it's not bad considering what some have to deal with. Father, I pray that over the last few weeks, we've begun to realize that, that no matter what we have in our relationship, that, that there is another level, that there is something more, that there's some little loves that you would love for us to add, add to the relationship that we have with our spouse. So give us the courage and, and give, us the, give us the desire and, and give us the opportunity, Father, to to take what it is that we see there at the very beginning in that first relationship and to say, that's what we want to have in this marriage. That's what we want to have in, in this relationship. And Father, for those who going through this study has just been a struggle because of the difficulties that are there, I ask for your peace. I ask for your comfort. I, I ask for your protection as Satan is waging war against that relationship. I ask that, that others be brought along who might be able to lift up the, lift up the arms, lift up the, the, the spirit of those who are struggling right now. And whether it be in counseling, Father, whether it be through one-on-one through -on -one conversations with those who have, who have gone a little further down the, down the path of marriage, whatever, whatever it is that, that can help in this situation, I just pray that, that both husband and wife will be willing to do that. And for Father, for, for those who are here who these last few weeks have just brought back some really, some really hard memories. Hard memories of relationships that were not successful. Whether it's relationships of the homes that they grew up in or Father, whether it's been marriages that they've been a part of in the past. Father, I'm thankful for the fact that, that they're here, part of our church family, and that that, that in that pain that you have been working in their lives, that you have been, that you've been providing healing. And I ask that you continue to do that so that whatever season of life comes next for them, it might be one that they could enter into more whole, that they could enter into with a, with a, with a different focus, and they could enter into an understanding that you are present there. And that whatever it is, whatever kind of relationship they end up having, Father, whether it be within, within, within another marriage or, Father, if it's just a continued, a continued oneness with you, that they would rejoice in that and enjoy the blessings. Father, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the marriage that we have with you, for the relationship that we have in Christ. And so it's in Christ that we have come here today. It is in Christ that we have been having this study. And Father, it is in Christ that we pray for all of us, married and single, young and old alike, that our lives would bring honor and glory to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Church, I appreciate your kindness this morning. All you moms and dads that have been wrangling the kids that normally go to Kids Praise, thank you for doing that. It will return next week, but we like to give our, kid, or our Kids Praise volunteers a week off whenever we have a fifth Sunday in, in the month. As we begin to close things out this morning, we're going to sing and encourage one another. We're going to sing and give praise to God. And maybe you'd like to come before this church family to say that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that you want to be in relationship truly with him. You'd like to be baptized into Christ. We'd love to celebrate that with you. We want you to know that there in our lobby we have a prayer room. You can go there to that room. One of our elders will be there if you'd like a time one-on-one -on -one just in privacy to be able to share some concerns that are going on in your life. We'd love to be able to have that opportunity with you. Again, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for going through this study with us. Let's stand and give God praise this morning.